of the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And after 10 days in Amsterdam and New Orleans, I apologise now if my voice is a bit of a mess, but there's lots of football for us to talk about. We're just a couple of weeks away from the draft, so we'll preview all of our upcoming draft coverage. And we're going to have interviews with two of the best safeties in the NFL for you. This is the Gridiron Show. Now, I can hear you all screaming at your mobile devices or however you're listening to the show saying, why didn't Ollie Hunter shout, yes, you, during the intro? And unfortunately, that's because Ollie is far too busy working night shifts to bother gracing us with his presence. So we had to call up a big name off the bench, our very own Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, we've got Matt Sherry. He's always here. And Simon Clancy. Hello, Simon. Hello, Willie. I'm very excited Ollie. to have you on, mate. Oh, thanks, mate. I love the fact that you started the programme by telling the audience something about you before we go into <laughs> What a surprise, eh, the Will Oh, welcome to the Gridiron Show, and let me tell you what I've been doing for the last week. Oh, and stuff's happening in the NFL. Big it, 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 was, it, it was more of an apology than anything else, I have to say. Like, that was more what I was doing. I am an absolute mess of a human being right now. I'm really, genuinely all over the shop. I feel like if, if Clancy's only going to Solskjaer, I am first season Diego Forlan before he banged those couple of goals at Anfield. <laughs> I'm not a Manchester United player. Just I, let's get that. I was thinking right. more Jordi Cruyff, but whichever way you want to go with it. Again, mate. I, I, don't, I don't have the illustrious kind of family, though, do I, sadly? I, I, that is, I mean, you are putting down Mama and Papa Sherry in a way that is completely unacceptable. No, I mean, they're great people, there. but they're not Champions League winners as, um, as managers, are they? All right, fair, fair. Uh, how have we all been, gents? It's, uh, it's been a while. Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Like, like I said, a bit of a mess, but that's fine. That's all my own fault, all self-inflicted. I think this is the phase of Simon's life where... It's just insane frustration having watched all the draft prospects for the last 12 months and he just kind of looks at just his watch every day and sees what day it is and counts down the dates. Get I mean, on with it. Is there an argument that the draft should be happening this I mean, this now. part of the year, but like particularly now they've pushed it further towards the back end of April and even early May sometimes, that we just go, seriously, just just... Just get it over and done with. Why aren't we? Why aren't we doing the combine and then two weeks later here's the draft? Used to be this weekend, but all pro days have stopped now. You don't. You don't have to have all these visits and stuff. Just, just get on with it. I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous. It's, it's analysis by paralysis. It drives me. Can I swear? I mean, it depends on the it, depends on the level of swear word. I was going to say the f word. It drives me crazy. <laughs> The F word, crazy. It fucking drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he had to get it in there. Just get on with it. Stop uh, fanning about. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody wants to hear 60,000 people on Twitter going, oh, I've heard a rumour that this is happening. I've heard a rumor. So-and-so's falling. So-and-so's climbing. No, no, they're not. They're not. <laughs> That's... Do it. Gridiron's draft expert, uh, Simon Clancy there, telling you why you should be enjoying our draft coverage oh. over the next two weeks. It's not like we have a magazine coming out in a week's time with multiple podcasts. <laughs> you can cut that bit. No, the absolutely draft, not. By the way, no, by the you're way. absolutely right. Like, Can I just say, the, the fact that we have, to, 
like I like to get the draft magazine out as late as possible, so it's as up to date as possible. But we've been farting around for three weeks with the magazine basically ready to go. Just, just get on with it. No, drives me crazy. Anyway, <laughs> now just to tell you what we have coming got coming up over the next week, because obviously uh, over the next two weeks, because obviously now it's been really well sold to you that you should be paying more attention to the draft. Uh, we've got uh, a few. We've got three podcasts coming out between now and the draft starting, and then as is tradition, we'll also be doing uh, a round one review on the morning of day one finishing. Um, so we'll have that out for you within a couple of hours, so you can wake up and and download and get Simon Clancy's and Matt Sherry's informed thoughts and my far more reactionary thoughts. Uh, immediately afterwards so we've got that coming up for you uh, and before that we're going to have three podcasts we're going to have one just looking at the top prospects on offense top prospects on defense and then a, a bit of a 32 mock draft just looking at the first round and the team's not in the first round uh, so those will be coming out over the next couple of weeks and uh, what looks like a cracking draft edition of the magazine Matt Sherry oh yeah it's the it's the it's the best looking magazine we've ever done it looks awesome it's the pinnacle it, it kind of Built from a front cover and me coming up with what I think is the best cover line that we've ever had and, and went from there. So, yeah, it's like a it's kind of a Western themed draft issue. It's cool. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to it all. With that in mind, let's do a podcast where we don't talk anything about the draft. All right, guys? Yep. Um, coming up, we're going to have interviews with uh, from when they were over for the NFL UK tour, Earl Thomas and Landon Collins, safeties respectively of the Seattle Seahawks and New York Giants, uh, talking about their trips over to the, to the UK, talking about their seasons last year, both of them disappointing uh, considering their previous records uh, and, uh, and looking forward to next year. Two really good, really enjoyable chats. So we'll have those coming up for you later in the show. But should we do a bit of news, boys? Do it. Yeah, I'm just pulling stuff up so I can, can do Can it. I just ask Will, for, uh, I don't want this to be kind of the big ego trip, but can we have five minutes on your time in New Orleans? You don't, you don't even need five minutes on it. It's just... Uh, you need 45. <laughs> two hours. <laughs> this is going to be two hours on me. To, um, I, I made the stupid decision of going to New Orleans uh, within 12 hours of arriving back from a friend's birthday in Amsterdam. So I, and then since I've been back, I, I've been to two gigs in the last two nights as well. So I've literally been out every night for like the last 10, 11 nights. I mean, we're asking about I'm, your I'm an animal. Yeah, not, I mean, not, not about your diary. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is, so this was... dinner last night or what you're watching on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was me coaching what I was going to say is that I, there is, a, there is a large swathe of New Orleans that I'm, I'm just not going to talk about on the podcast that uh, I just I know I never disgraced myself to the level where I got locked out of my hotel room again but um, I'd around the hotel yeah there was there was that one but yeah there was it was quite messy and it was really good fun and we you know we went and did the the po boys the firecracker shrimp we went out and did that at parasol oh, God, were, we, the, were, the, were the equally as good oh yeah they were phenomenal oh, they, they were still God. incredible um we was this sorry uh, the the sandwiches out in the garden district. Ah, uh, 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 parasols. Yeah, we essentially, Clancy, we essentially just relived the trip we did in November <laughs> because we were there with people who hadn't been before. I was like, right, let's go to this place I really enjoyed last time. Let's go to this place I really enjoyed last time. So we did Willie Mays. Uh, uh, we, uh, can I just say, can I just say that there was zero chance that you actually recreated it because there were three absolute dudes who weren't there. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's, that's a fair <laughs> shout, right? Ollie... Ben and Matt Sherry. Oh, that joke didn't go down well. Did you go to Manning's, Will? <laughs> so poor. 
I, I popped into Manning's for one pint because we weren't down and, there. And? I wasn't down there and Jessica wasn't there. Uh, but Did the, any of the others recognise you? The, the pint was good. Uh, no, it was pretty much nobody there that was there when they were there before. I feel like they gave quite a... I think because of the anger of the woman that we thought was some kind of... Uh, some kind of supervisor. I think they must have quite a high staff turnover there because, uh, yeah, there was no one working there who had been there previously. Um, but there was, you know, the, you know, the bar that we went, the, the, the place where we met uh, Pat from Minneapolis, the, the garden bar at the end of Frenchman Street that outdoor yeah. place so yeah remember when we were in there and there was that bass player who looked a bit like drew carey with the super thick glasses the big yeah. guy he was in there again and phenomenal again and i ended up getting chatting to him afterwards and he was a real dude like really really sound guy so that that there was but did you manage to see steve locum the world's greatest musician no no i didn't get to see <laughs> steve locum how pleased were you when i managed to find out his, who he was i'm delighted i'm i'm actually trying to hunt down some cds and stuff but struggling and contemplating adding him on Facebook and seeing if he'll send me some of his music. I'm sure he would have done. I'm sure I probably could have found someone who was out there if you'd asked, you know, three days ago, but too late now, buddy. I um, didn't want to speak to you in the whole time you were there. I was thinking about that for you. <laughs> so, yeah, it was great. I had a really good time. Thank you. And I am going to try and convince my wife that that's where we should go on holiday next. Cause I, I mean, love it. If, if we didn't have the little man, we would absolutely be going there on holiday this year but next time the Super Bowl's there I'm going to try and get out there for four weeks <laughs> <laughs> poor the clown you know you know, uh, a week after Super Bowl is Mardi Gras it's like six, yeah, seven is, days yeah. later seven, eight days later so you could do a whole month oh god it's the best place in the world <laughs> It's like Disneyland but for alcoholics um, have, you, have you been to LA? Uh, yes, yeah, I, have. I think it's vastly overheard. Do you? Yeah, I hate it. I really hate it. Just I thought that, it was a bit like Blackpool. <laughs> I thought it was incredible, but it was so massive. It's a big sprawling mess of a city. There is terrible. They're interesting. Santa Monica's quite nice and cool. Yeah. I I thought it was incredible because it was so big. But I you know, I went out to like Griffith Park to the observatory and um and to like Hermosa Beach and places like that, which I just thought was so cool. But I, I could I, I could see how it could become wearing. I, I think there were little interesting pockets of LA, um, but yeah, I think it's not somewhere I think I'd Clancy, willingly go. You're a you're a enhancer of these experiences because you know so much about every place that you go to. Oh, you're sweet. It's true. I'd like to. We should tour America together, Clancy. We should. We you already did. You literally we already did. did. I think we, we did the South. Well, although we are plotting a trip to Indiana, Michigan and Green Bay for September, so that could be cool. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that one, Will, Mr. Yeah. Big. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I might just come. Um, uh, yeah, we, and speaking of which, uh, there, there's been rumours that the, um, the schedule announcement is coming next week uh, ahead of the draft early. And uh, if that does come, don't forget, we will be announcing the Gridiron Tour for 2018 ASAP after that schedule is out. And you can head to touchdowntrips.com now. Pay your £100 deposit, which is fully refundable, just to guarantee your place on the tour. And the, the conversation is around doing something around Green Bay, uh, the NFC and AFC North teams, maybe even getting the Hall of Fame in there as well, if we're able to. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the intention at the moment. Who knows if it'll work out, if the schedule makers will be kind to us. But, yeah, you can find out all the information on Touchdown Trips right now. Let's see, good plugging, guys. Well done. 
Should we talk I mean, you just said, well done to yourself. Right? So, <laughs> no, as usual. You got, it, you got it there. You teed it up, and I kind of right. bun- bunted it and, and just about got to first. Uh, the big news of the last uh, the last week or so, so, when did we last do a podcast? I don't even know anymore, um, was the, the Brandon Cooks trade. New, uh, the New England Patriots trading Brandon Cooks to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, th- first round pick heading in the other direction. The the New England Patriots have an absolute haul at this point, whereas the Rams have gone into kind of full win-now mode. I guess let's start with what this means on the Patriots side of things because we've got you on, Sherry. Uh, four picks right near the top of the draft. This is all not very Bill Belichick right now. What does it mean? Uh, I have no idea. I mean, it, it means they either reload <laughs> their defence or get a quarterback. Hopefully... Hopefully, can do both in some fashion, but that remains to be seen. I mean, it's an interesting one because I think Cooks would have had a massive season with the Patriots, but when you look at the Jarvis Landry deal from yesterday, there is no way they were going to pay him that. And I am borderline stunned that they got another first round pick back from him. I mean, I don't really know what the Rams were thinking. I mean, the, and, and to be honest, I, I thought that the trade was looking bad for the Patriots giving up a first last year because for all he played well in stretches that there's a limitation to his game he, he can get locked into man coverage he, he he's not like he's not a 15 million pound a year receiver i mean but then again if sammy watkins is then he is but um i, I think the thing is as well with you losing nate solder this year uh, with now brandon cooks going as well there's been that move with the patriots towards more vertical passing over the last couple of seasons and now it feels like You've, you've looked at the, the fact that the protection has gone down for, for Tom Brady again, and you're going, yeah, maybe we need to go back to quick strike, horizontal. A yeah, lot of players maybe. have got their suit that a bit better, and, and Cooks doesn't necessarily fit that. I know he's not a big name, but apparently they really love Philip Dorsett as well, who now has a year in the system, and they think they can get something out of him. They, they've just signed Jordan Matthews for $170,000 guaranteed money. Like, it's a one-year, $1 million contract, which to me seems lunacy that I don't know whether there's something more to the story but he's worth a lot more than that isn't he you'd have thought I thought it was interesting, thought it was interesting yesterday or the day before the Mike Freeman report uh, the Bleacher Report report that Lamar Jackson and his family who are representing him because he doesn't have an agent had said that the Patriots were the team that had significantly shown more interest than any other team heading into the I'm draft massively, I'm, I'm all in on the idea of Lamar Jackson I'm yeah, really hopeful on it. I, I just, it so there was a report yesterday as well, Simon, that apparently after the Houston game, when Deshaun Watson was incredible against the Patriots earlier in the season, Belichick kind of internally has said he wants a quarterback like that. So, yeah. and, and I mean, me and you, Simon, I think you're in agreement that Jackson is the... I mean, he's certainly the prospect that excites me most in the draft and, and probably the most misunderstood prospect in the draft, and you can read yeah. about this in the magazine, in that he actually has progressed every year as a passer and he's probably, from a pro-style perspective, played in the most pro-style offense of any of the guys coming yeah. out. So what I, like, what I like about him is that, you know, uh, and for all his athletic, you know, it, it actually concerns me in the NFL in terms of when he gets outside the pocket because... You know, although he is electric and the most electric player in the draft, there is a concern about the similar things that happened to RG3 or to yeah. Pat White in terms of he's not a big guy. I mean, he was 216 at the combine, but I'd imagine that's a, that was a fairly... He drank a lot of water before he got on the scales, as, as a lot of prospects do to try and boost their weight. I would suggest he probably plays at around 206, 
something like that. What he does in the pocket, though, you know, he can. He needs a little bit of work. He needs a bit of, you know, he's got quite a narrow base, and but he can spin the football. He can throw it deep. You know, he's, he can be he can be accurate at times. You know, he needs to improve his accuracy, but I think that will come with footwork. But what I love about the Patriots, and you know, God knows uh, uh, that that was a tough thing to say. But what I love about the Patriots is that <laughs> almost Josh McDaniels and, and Belichick, year by year, they just take their offense will just suit what they have personnel wise for one year. So maybe it'll yeah. be a ball control offense, then it'll be a West Coast offense, then it'll be a, you know Randy Moss comes in, it's a deep throw offense. Then it'll be a you know you've got Amendola and uh, and uh, Wes Welker, and then it'll be a you know, quick passes kind of offense. Then it'll be, then they'll barely run the ball for the entire season. Then they'll, you know, they'll use the backs like Dion Lewis and James. Watt. Do you know what I mean? It evolves every year and every year they just take their personnel and they're like, right, this is what we're going to do for this year. Sod next year, sod two years down that will just, so, you know, you can see Lamar Jackson and, and, coming into that system and working under Tom. And do you see the Tom Brady Instagram? That was very Yeah, he, he did. But he was, I, I, was a beast, didn't I, he? I think it's part yeah. of that as well. It's not just the fact that, they are a team that are very good at adapting to what they've got and, and everything you've just said, Simon. But actually, the the thing that we talked about a lot with the Patriots is that they are, they're not a team who are going to go, right, this season, our intention is to move to a more horizontal passing game. So we're going to make all these off-season moves with specifically that in mind, install it all at camp and go into week one knowing exactly what we are and doing that. They learn as the season goes on, they adapt as the season goes on and that's happens time and time again more so than you see at other teams and I think that's why you know you, you we look at these moves and we want to guess what they're going to be by week eight of next season and they could be something completely different to what we're expecting it's yeah. huge crossroads time for them though because for all they don't have anywhere near as many holes as everybody is now obsessively suggesting I mean you'd think that there were the last year's Browns the way some people are talking at the moment there are some significant holes on defense that that really, I mean, if they took four front seven players with their first four picks, I wouldn't be able to disagree with it. But they're at a crossroads between the next year or maybe two years with Brady and then the entirety of the future beyond that. So I think the I think this draft will tell us a lot about everybody's intentions, really. And it's a difficult one because clearly they've got probably their next head coach in the building already probably their next personnel guy in the belt already or their current personnel guy and then they've also got their head coach who's about to retire at some point and their quarterback who's about to retire so they're at a real crossroads and it's interesting to me to see whether they almost split the draft so you've got two first two seconds one of each goes on a player for next season and the other two maybe go on the quarterback or a player and then another guy who you think isn't the finished article yeah I think I think it's interesting to see how they manage kind of the the two aims which go massively in contrast to each other. I think the thing with all of that, and it kind of highlighted in what this does on the Rams side of it, is that we are kind of a little bit obsessed with when it comes to the NFL going, what does that do for you in two years' time, three years' time, four years' time? What's that doing for your future? Whereas if you are a team who who are in a Super Bowl window, who can win now, which the Patriots obviously are, and I think that clearly from what the Rams have done this season, Les Snead and everyone in that building believes they are, I mean, should they really be looking beyond three years' time anyway? Should they really, outside of... The quarterback position is the one place I think that they really need to do that because of Tom Brady's age. But everything else, you can make those changes as you go along in time. These contracts are contracts you can get out of. They're not longer term, high guarantee deals. And actually, from a Rams perspective, 
there was an interview with Les Snead. It was on the um, the MMQB podcast when he talked about the Sammy Watkins deal last year. And they talked about making a calculated risk, giving up a second pick for him because they knew that their intention was going into this year. And they've done exactly this. They've used trades. And for Indomitian Sue, he was a cut player. So they've not picked up any unrest- unrestricted free agents. So they are likely to get for both uh, the cornerback uh, Johnson and for Sammy Watkins, they'll get a third round compensatory for him. So in their minds, what they've really done is just moved back around for picking up that player. And that's the way Les Snead is approaching it. And I think what they've done is they picked up a, a player who I think is better as a deep player than Sammy Watkins. And in the way that the system works with um, uh, with Sean McVeigh, you saw it time and time again previously. They love playing like an X receiver on one side and then bunches to the other side. And what you really need when you do that is is a guy who can get deep but also will pull a safety, will pull double teams. I don't think Sammy Watkins does that. I think Brandon Cooks does do that. And I think you'll see that while he might not be first round pick level productive, he could open up a lot more options for that offense. Oh yeah, absolutely. And a player like that, it is all about what they're able to give you the other players in the offense as much as what they give you in bare production. I mean, Cooks was good. He was a good player. The Patriots wanted to re-sign him. They would just Never go at that level. I do think that the Rams are massively, massively open to imploding in week six. <laughs> there, there is next that possibility. Like, yeah. like you, you, you collect a series of guys who, let's be honest, are tools in the case of Marcus <laughs> Peters and Talib, and maybe Sue as well. I mean, he's a he's kind of a he's a weird one, isn't he, Sue? But um, that can go very wrong very, very quickly. Like particularly. If Jared Goff doesn't improve. I just think for me, it's that wider question of how far ahead do you plan in the NFL when you're already a good team? Like if you're the Cleveland yeah, and, Browns, no, but also, think, I think three, four years ahead. Rams, with, you, with the Rams and the Eagles, is you've got to capitalise on that window of having a quarterback on, on these small deals. Like That's what the Eagles did last year. And that's why the Eagles were able to build the easily the deepest roster in the NFL because they, they, they're spending like, six million quid on the, on the quarterback position as opposed to 35, which a lot of teams are like, you've got to capitalize on that window. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. And you, you should applaud them for that. All uh, right. Let's rattle through the other news uh, that's out there before we get to Earl Thomas and Landon Collins. You mentioned this. So I, I want to go to this first Jarvis Landry, the Browns finalizing a five year extension, a stunning $47 million of that guaranteed. Um, this is proper, you know, wide receiver one money for a guy who while he has i mean simon will be able to talk to about, about this better than anyone else but you know great production from a certain distance of the line of scrimmage and lots of catches and everything else but it does sound like big 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 money for a for a player that we essentially see as a slot receiver it's a lot of money i mean you know that fair play to him and his agent um Demarius Bilbo, that was the that was what they wanted out of Miami, and they, Miami wasn't going to pay it. Um, you know, his production is phenomenal. He's a, a fire starter of a, a fire brand of a receiver. You know, he was great for the Dolphins uh, in terms of it, the way that he brought energy to the team and to the stadium, um, and he felt like one of our own, and you know, somebody that we kind of got behind. Um, but he is still a slot receiver. He's not really an outside guy. Uh, he wears teams down. He never missed a, he never missed a game, never missed a, a snap really. Um, but the Dolphins became over-focused on him. So they're trying to force the ball to him to try and make 
you know, plays. He comes up with big plays in big moments. He'll convert, you know, third and fourth downs. He makes tough catches, but it's a ridiculous amount of money for somebody who who isn't an outside receiver. So What we haven't seen is the breakdown of this deal in terms of what it is year on year, because we talked about this a lot with... Um, the way that the 49ers have done business over the last two years, where they've really heavily front-loaded those contracts because they know they're not a good team now. And you get those big cap hits out of the way while you're building the roster. And then hopefully in two, three years' time, Landry's more affordable whilst you can then go out and pick up other pieces. It's exactly what 49ers have done with someone like Jarek McKinnon. Um, that's what I hope they've done. Uh, if they've spread it out and if he gets you know backloaded or anything like that, then this might feel like a bit too rich for my blood, even for a good player. The, the, the one thing I would say is he's going to be a young quarterback's best friend, isn't he, Landry? Oh, like, whoever the draft and once they've started playing games from probably week one, um, he, they're going to love him. Like he, He's perfect for a young quarterback, so... With the, with the Browns Barrett. being in the position they're in, I don't mind them doing that kind of deal. It's not like the Chiefs signing no. Sammy Watkins at sixteen million, which makes no That's sense it. at all. Like he I, I think make, for the Browns, it's a good deal. He'll make Tyrod Taylor better if they draft yeah. Saquon Barkley. He'll help Barkley, and most of all, he will help David and Joku and Josh Gordon because he will. You know, at times you're going to in critical moments you're going to have to double team him or roll a safety over because he just he just converts and he gets open. And you're going to have to do those sorts of things. So it'll allow Tyrod to get out of the pocket. It will allow Saquon to make plays if that's who they draft. And it will mean that Njoku and Gordon will probably see one-on-one -on -one coverage in critical moments of games. So, you know, who are you going to cover? You've got a big six-foot-six tight end. You've got a running back out the backfield who can catch the ball. You've got Gordon, who's absolutely elite if he's, if he's mentally healthy. So, you know, he just makes... He gives the Browns so many options, and that's got to be, you know... God, that you know, that offence is a joke, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Could be incredible, couldn't it? I mean, Corey Coleman is is like yeah. the fourth, third, and fourth, fourth receiver. Uh, There's still some potential in him. And my, my only concern is that I was really disappointed schematically with what um, uh, with what Hugh Jackson did there last year, and that that's kind of my only point. Well, at least it. Todd Haley's going to be there and, now. He'll sort it out. <laughs> yeah, Hugh, Hugh is not for the Hugh is not for that world. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. A um, couple of other quick ones to touch on. Cameron Meredith, uh, the Bears chose not to match the offer sheet from the Saints. He goes there for two years, $10 million. Uh, yeah, really productive year, I think, in 2016, but missed the entire of last year with a knee injury suffered in pre-season. I love that for the Saints, though. Like, there's huge upside there. There's, there's huge upside, but there's also the potential for him to be just an absolute nothing in the same way because we don't know what he is coming off that injury you know always one season of production is is never enough to show longer term Dion Jordan signs a new deal with the Seahawks um really looked good the last four or five games of last year so maybe we'll finally see you know the the player that the the Dolphins traded up to try and get um hopefully the lack of talent in that that team suddenly doesn't uh, impact that at all Vontae's perfect is going to sit out the first quarter of a year for the third successive year. Just, I don't even want to talk about him anymore. Uh, and then there's the Reuben Foster news. Reuben Foster, uh, obviously, if you've read the actual details of what's now emerged about the, uh, the, the uh, felony domestic violence case, apparently dragging his girlfriend from the house, punching her in the head, eight to ten times, leaving her with a ruptured eardrum is the claims that the authorities have made. Classy guy. You're talking about 11 years minimum 
if he is found guilty of all charges, including a weapons charge as well. Found it interesting that Richard Sherman, obviously only just signed with the team, actually accompanied Foster to court and the team have you know, decided to allow the legal process to play out in that way that always seems to happen when it's a good player. They let it play out when it's a bad player. They just cut them straight away. Uh, you know, this is looking not particularly good. And uh, from a 49ers perspective, a really exciting young prospect taken in the first round who they're probably only going to get a year out of before uh, he's out yeah. of the league. On the field, I mean, I can't think I've seen a rookie in recent years acclimatise so quickly. Like he was you, immediately one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Do you know who? Do you know who did acclimatise that quickly in this first year in the league? Chris Borland. Chris Borland. I mean, I know that was a very different situation, but I'm starting to decide I don't want to get attached to linebackers in San Francisco too quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird one, Simon, isn't it? Because we were we were a troop county as high school for the full day um, yeah. in November. And I mean, we spoke to them about him because obviously it's an NFL player who'd come from that high school. And I mean, nobody had anything but amazing things to say about him. And they knew we weren't writing about him. And they kind of knew we were just chatting to them off the record. But there was no... So we'd obviously heard the, some of the character concerns, which is probably why we, we mentioned it. But they... They said they didn't kind of see any of that in him. I, I, on whether they should release him, I do think that there should be an innocent until proven guilty scenario here. And whether that's proven guilty in the courts or proven guilty by a pathetically bungled, no doubt, NFL investigation. Like, if it's proven that those things happened, he should be released immediately. But... I mean, we don't know the bare facts yet. We just know he's been charged with those things. And I think it's just... I mean, it, you would think that he is guilty, but who knows? I mean, yeah, know. it's just one of those where Tremaine Brock was cut you know, the day that he got arrested. Um, and admittedly, it was and then a, they've a got the, or third the concern. Of... And that case ended up getting dismissed. Anyway, he never actually ended up even going to court. So it is that thing of, I, I still hold by, I'm with you. Innocent until proven guilty should be the way we approach these things. But... It is one rule for your your players of, yeah. of worth and one for those on the fringes of your roster. And the reality is as well that with the Kaepernick and Eric Reid scenario with the 49 like, it's not a good look, is it? Oh. You say scenario, what you really mean is scandal. I mean, the Eric yeah. Reid thing is an absolute disgrace. Yeah, the, the, the only thing I think the, with the, Eric Reid, though, that might put teams off outside of it's this... the concussions. Is, is the fact that he did say he was a concussion away from retiring a couple of years ago. Yeah. So that 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 combined with the the joke situation of of the way he's been treated for Nealon might be what's putting some teams off. But yeah, it is ridiculous. But then so is the Kenny Vaccaro situation, Simon. Like it sounds yeah. like he's gonna be had for you guys for a bit of a snip. For, and it's like absolutely. what's wrong with safeties all of a sudden? Exactly. I mean, All Vicar, we've been writing about in the last couple of years is how tight ends and safeties are changing the game and more important than ever. So, Absolutely. what's going on? You, Absolutely. Th- this is one of the greatest examples of you learning and, and developing as a broadcaster, Matt Sherry. Just a wonderful job. Because what that does perfectly is sets us up for two interviews where I obviously ask the question, is the safety position undervalued in the NFL? Uh, so, should we hear from Earl Thomas and Landon Collins? Absolutely. Great job, mate. Great job. Let's start off with future Hall of Fame safety for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, over in Ireland, we spoke to him over the phone for the NFL UK tour. Here's Earl Thomas. Earl, you're obviously over in Ireland for these uh, NFL UK events this coming Saturday and Monday. It's uh, 
your eighth off season now. You're becoming a bit of a veteran, I guess, at, at what you do. How do you generally spend this, this time off away from football? Uh, mostly training and travelling. I'm interested, I saw you tweeting about um, a Derwin James the other day. Are you a guy who uh, who follows the draft quite closely? Well, you know, we have the same agent. And, you know, uh, my agent has, like, maybe the top, you know, safeties, like, from the past, what, three drafts? So we we kind of formed a brotherhood. So uh, me and Derwin, uh, we established a great relationship through that. Do you guys? Do you actually go and train with these guys and work with them at all? Right. So we have a workout facility in California, and I'll try to get down there maybe once or twice, and we'll do some field work and just talk. Awesome. That's great. Um, this is only your second time in your career not not making the playoffs in a season. I mean, how much does that kind of hang over these these long barren months when you're not able to be training in the facility, working with the team? Yeah, it definitely gives you something to think about. Um, you know, we definitely, you know, want to make the playoffs every year, uh, but unfortunately, we didn't make it this year. Um, you know, we got a new, we got a new staff. We have, we have, you know, we're starting over. Seems like, um, but you know, you, you can only, you know, play your part. So I, I just want to be in my best, so I can add that to the group. Are you at this point? I know there's a lot of talk uh, either side, but as of right now, do you think you will be a Seahawk next season? Right now, it's a guessing game. I, you know, I've talked to my agent. Um, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, whether I'm with the Seahawks or, you know, somewhere else, you know, I, I'm going to be happy. Me and my family are going to be happy regardless. Um, and you say regardless, a lot of the links, and, and again, another story coming out overnight saying um, five teams interested. Dallas, still the big one. As a guy who is from Texas, played for the Longhorns, does that appeal to you, the, guy of go- the, the idea of going back to your home state a bit of a hero? Of course, you know, it's, it's home, um, you know, it's been, been my team since I was a kid, so it, it, that's definitely appealing. And there was certainly some talk, you, you know, you, you put it out there into the world that that'd be a team you'd like to, to play for. Um, uh, you also kind of, you talked at the, the, the Pro Bowl about you're entering that final year of your contract. I mean, if the Seahawks said, right, we, we need to keep this, this guy around, we've seen too many changes already, does there need to be a negotiation from the, their end to start to look beyond this year? Of course. You know, um, that's going to be the main goal of this offseason, uh, just to get an extension. Is there any thought you could even hold out if they didn't didn't look to that? I think that, that, that would be like the last resort. Very last resort. It's, it's going to be fascinating, I guess, for you this year, because... You've you've worked with that same team, that Legion of Boom. It, it's kind of amazing, really. When you think of the all-time great defences, whether it's the 85 Bears, the 02 Ravens, they only ever lasted a couple of years at the top. You guys have done it for the last five consecutive years. But what's it going to be like without you know Sherman back there, potentially without Cam back there as well with you? Right. So I, I really believe with all my heart that we're still going to be a dominant force. You know, we we did leave. Uh, we we did lose Sherm. I think Cam is going through some uh, injuries uh, that we don't know about. But um, I think with the, still with the core group that we have, we're still going to be a dominant force. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams. If you look at Atlanta, Jacksonville recently, that these guys are coaches that have left you and Gus Bradley, etc. Who they go with that same man to man, that same cover three, three style, almost trying to copy what you guys are doing with some with some success as well. Do you think? you've got the talent and the scheme to say, bring in rookies and start them from, from day one if needs be. 
I, I believe so, and I think you're you're correct. We we were the blueprint, and you know teams have tried to you know kind of emulate what we brought to the table. And uh, with the rookies that's coming in, it's all about the communication factor. Uh, I think we're gonna get the right material out there to them. We're gonna you know put them in the right situations. Uh, you know we're gonna make sure they understand concepts. And you know I'm gonna be talking to them. You know just, I'm gonna be a coach on the field with them, so we're gonna be fine. I mean, you guys, you've had some phenomenal players there and uh, and you guys are all pros, future Hall of Famers, but you've still been able to have, you know, seventh round, fifth round draft picks come in and make an impact. Why do you think that scheme has been, why do you think that's worked in that way and allowed people to come in and make instant impacts? I, th- I think it's just the culture. Um, when guys, you know, when, when guys, fifth round picks, sixth round picks, you know, come around us, you know, they feed off the greatness or, you know, just our characteristics. And they kind of, you know, incorporate that into themselves and, you know, it kind of brings everybody to a high level. What did you make of uh, Richard Sherman's Richard Sherman's comments that for him, Pete Carroll's message was more suited to younger players to college football and maybe for him it started to wear thin? Yeah, I, I, I agree. But at the same time, you, 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 earn, you earn respect from coaches as well. So you start to, you know, do, do things... You know, within the lines, but your way. What do you think it's going to be like the first time you go up against San Francisco this year? You say what it's going to be like? Yeah, seeing Sherman out there on the field when you're on the sideline. Yeah, it's going to be a little weird, you know, to see Sherman on the other side. But, you know, at the same time, every time I, I come to San Francisco, me and my family, we have a place to go. Um, but, you know, when, it's, when we're playing a game, you know, if he ball out or if he get beat, that's on him. So that's how I look at it. There's a lot of talk about how the team are going to build around the linebackers this year. Um, KJ Wright and particularly Bobby Wagner. Just, I think he's elevated his play in particular, Bobby, to the, to a level of, you know, you'd argue that he's the best linebacker, inside linebacker, at least in the league. What what do you see sitting behind him that makes him such a special player? Uh, uh, he plays so fast. Um you know, we play the same scheme. We've been playing the scheme for a long time. And after you get beat so many times, you're just going to fix it. And, you know, your weaknesses, they basically turn into your strengths and they can't get you how they used to get you. So they got to come up with new ways. And, uh, you know, once he messes up, he fixes his mistakes. I, I, I think it's really interesting. There was, because um, I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I think back, and I don't want to bring up the 2015 Super Bowl too much, but the the kind of coverage issues we saw with the, the Patriots there and how those linebackers have improved so much against those mismatches. Um, you know, how much does it help you as a free safety knowing that you've got guys who can drop into coverage without having to go into dime and nickel necessarily uh, that can, you know, play a role almost as well as a, a strong safety cam? Yeah, so, you know, what gives me confidence is the communication. I feel like, you know, you can't have any secrets when you're playing out there. So if, you, if you're communicating and guys giving you that verbal agreement with you, you're, you're fine. So we move as one. You know, we, we, we're one group. It's, it's kind of like a long body, and it's hard to beat us. Was there was there ever any truth in you know last off season in classic off season fashion we had that Seth Wickersham piece that the defense around those early years was getting frustrated with what the offense was offering them was there ever any truth in that as a unit do you ever get frustrated that maybe the team haven't built around Wilson Moore? Uh, you know, I just, you know that's 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 kind of a touchy subject. Um, you know, guys gonna express themselves. 
but you know, I, my biggest hope for the, you know Russ and offense is just growth. Just you know, just grow in you know certain areas and just give us the best chance to win. Take care of the ball, and that's that's fine. With, everything else is fine with me. Is there still some you know feeling in the building after that? Loss of the Patriots, Sherm said recently, that still hurts to him. Are, are you know three years on? Are the team still feeling the kind of uh, how what happened at the end of that game and how it's kind of affected the franchise since? Yeah, so if you look at the magnitude of it, you know it, that's that's back to back championships. So I can definitely see why guys are still frustrated about it. Um, I don't think I'm frustrated about it. You know, uh, I've been there. You know, I was, I was hurt for a second. You know, we can't get that game back. Uh, it was just a dramatic finish, and I, I just it just you know touched guys you know how I should you know it was just a crazy end. Is I mean, <laughs> is there an argument that maybe if you've had that great defense there for five years, and you say you still think you can maintain that high level? I mean, if you only gain one ring over your career and you stay in Seattle, I, I think that'd be a travesty because you could easily be a multiple multiple championship team at this point. Well, I, t- I look at it like this. We won one, and if it doesn't happen, like, I'm grateful for that one. So that's, that's, that's that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't even get the chance to play, so I totally understand. I do get it. Um, uh, I just want to ask you as well just about the safety position in general, uh, finally, because it's been a weird off season. We've seen guys like... Uh, yourself in the trade talks, but Kenny Vaccaro, Eric Reed, Trey Boston, uh, Morgan Burnett only just signed with the Steelers. But when everyone's been going crazy and spending silly money on wide receivers, on cornerbacks, the safeties have kind of been left twisting in the wind a little bit. Do, do you think it's an undervalued position in the NFL? Yes, and but I, I think people are starting to recognize you know, the value in having a, a safety that really understands the game, um, a safety that really controls the tempo. And I think it'll keep increasing. And how important is it that it's a pair of safeties who have that level of communication? Because, you know, it's very difficult to argue against the idea that you and Cam are an all-time great pairing. Right. Uh, it's, that's essential. You need that. You, know, you, you can't really, you know, have success like we've sustained over this five, six-year period. You, you definitely need that. Was there ever a, a kind of point very early on where you realized how special Cam was, how that relationship was? Was there a story or a moment where you just thought, man, this is going to be a great defense? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we didn't really recognize it was just going to be a great defense, but just the work guys put in. You know, Cam wasn't a starter right away. He started off on special teams, and but he busted his butt on special teams. He made plays on special teams, and when he got his chance to play strong safety, you know, he never looked back. And uh, we just clicked. So, you know, then Sherm came later. You know, when when a guy got hurt, he, he got a shot. He did the same thing. Um, and, you know, BB, we had some, you know, we, we learned from some, you know, crazy experience where we lost and we, we failed. But that made us stronger. <clears throat> well, look, Earl, I really appreciate how candid you've been with me. I know this is a tough off season for you because of all the questions being asked and because not going back to the playoffs. But, I, you know, you're going to be going to these fan events and the one thing anyone comes away saying, whether it's Peter King, whether it's the players, is that the questions that come from those fans are uh, 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 a proper football question. So I hope that you're as impressed with, with the UK and Irish fans as the other guys who've been over. And, yeah, if you're still with the Seahawks, that you're looking forward to, to coming and playing in London this year. Oh, definitely. That's that's one of the highlights of the season. That's all you need to say. Perfect. Earl, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. 
The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs. Of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now. How are you doing, Will? Hey, I'm very well, Landon. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Are you enjoying yourself out in Ireland? So far, so good, yeah. Look, really uh, pleased to, to be able to welcome you to the show. I really appreciate your time. Um, what? Uh, how come you've made your way out to Ireland this year? Obviously, a lot of the players that come out are guys that are playing in London next year. You've played before, but uh, what, what kind of brought this opportunity around for you coming out to Ireland this year? I'm um, just um, expanding the NFL, basically expanding American football over to the UK, honestly. And it's today just just showing like the 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 big name, the bigger name guys, and just trying to just get us all the way over here, just to show that um, you love the UK too. And it's funny you say the bigger name guys. I think when you came over, you were in what your second year, maybe even a rookie season. You had that massive return at Twickenham, which I think really helped put you on the map. And now you are an All Pro, a Pro Bowler, kind of considered one of the top guys. So, how different is it been for you now coming out than it was say two years ago? Uh, two years ago, I mean, it was just like who is who is Landon. Now it's like he's the guy. <laughs> Honestly, but um, it's it's awesome to be honest with you. Um, in due time, I knew it would happen, but I didn't think it was happen. I was I always tell everybody I would think it would happen like four years into my season, my career, but not. It happened two years into my career, so I was um, I was very surprised, but I'm very excited about it. From the kind of team perspective, you went from that phenomenal season where you were one of the top defenses in the league to being bottom five last season, seemingly with pretty much the same personnel. What? Do you think it was down to the drop-off last year? Um, we lost all our offensive guys on uh, offense, so it kind of it, it, it kind of hurt us because we was on the field a lot. Like we were still dominating all the way to the fourth quarter, and that's when a lot of teams would score their points and get their yardage because we'd be tired and uh, we just not getting off the field. So that's what I would say where um, we kind of fell off that because our offense could not move the ball and um, just kind of we need to move the ball. Works hand in hand with time of possession, rest and stuff like that. I mean, there was a lot of talk about the idea that uh, Steve Spagnola might stick around because of his links with Pat Shermer. Were you surprised to see him move on from the team? Uh, yeah, definitely was surprised because, I mean, I love Coach, I love Coach um, Spagnola. I call him Coach Spags. He kind of <laughs> threw me off of Spagnola, but I love Coach Spags. And um, he did a wonderful job coaching, teaching, um, working with us. Um, Letting us just play ball, honestly, and just letting us be free out there. And uh, we loved it. And we just did our job to the best of our ability and did it and did our job plus. I'm really excited to see how you guys work in James Betcher's system because I think the talent is clearly there on your team. But what we see from like him bringing Alec Ogletree in in this trade, he's a guy who likes to play kind of multiple fronts and use guys who have got real different skill sets, particularly kind of coverage linebackers. So what do you think that means for you and your role? I, I have no clue. <laughs> My role I know is just to play safety. I kind of roam around. Um, I would say so, I think, because, I mean, looking at his defense, roam around um, and stuff like that. But other than, other than anything else, it's play safety. That, that's, that is 
what I know. I mean, you, you technically play strong safety, but you're making a lot of plays on the ball itself and, and a lot of those kind of splash plays, which you don't always see in the NFL. You don't see guys that can necessarily get deep and cover as well when they're playing from that more advanced safety role. Uh, yeah, Are you comfortable if you're going to get moved around a lot in this scheme? Yeah, I'm always comfortable with that. I mean, I was moved around a lot in the Spagnola schemes, and uh, I'm comfortable with all that because, I mean, you make more plays when you move around and you can't be accounted for. A lot of people talking about, I mean, you lost JPP this week who... Yeah. Has, you know, yeah, a lot of a lot of love for him as a, as a kind of locker room guy and as a leader. Are you ready Correct. to step up? Um, I'm, I've um, been stepped up. Uh, never, I'm always been a leader, so um, that's always been a part of my role. But losing a guy like JBP was is 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 hurtful. Um, I love him. Um, he did a great job. Um, definitely was a great inspiration to the team and definitely helped us out in big ways more than none and then um we definitely gonna miss him for sure um there, there's a, another player there who obviously you famously spoke about at the end of last year the problems with eli apple towards the end of that season um uh-huh. is that something that you've resolved now have you and eli got together and and talked and do you think he's going to be welcomed back into the team this year um, it's a new season, new team. Um, he's definitely going to be welcome back in with open arms. I mean, that's big. still at, at the end of the day, it's brotherly love. So it's like you're going to get mad at your brother, but at the end of the day, you're going to get over it. So, yes, I have I have gotten over it. Hopefully he has, but we have not we have not talked since um, the incident. We kind of posted pictures with each other on Instagram to show that we're, we're moving on from that from that point. But other than talked yet, we have not. But um, I see him working out with my boy um, uh, Dante. Dion uh, played with us last year. They're working out together out there. He's looked like he's in a happy mode and happy mindset. He's still his playful self. So I think he's going to be come back um, the same Eli we got the first year. Hopefully a little bit better and um, playing and having a better mindset and uh, trusting in his brothers. And that's what we're hoping for. I, I don't know how much you as a player follow what's happening in college outside of Bama or follow what's going on in the draft, but obviously it's exciting with the Giants having the number two overall pick. Lots of talk about where you could go with that. A lot of good defensive players who could be available at the top, the kind of Minkovitz, Patricks, Bradley Chubbs of this world. Uh, are you kind of excited about the level of talent that could be added on your defence? Uh, definitely, but uh, I, I I don't know if we're going defense first. <laughs> well, I, I didn't want to say uh, it, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether you'll go quarterback as well. There's Sequan Barkley. There's a lot of good players up at that top end. Correct. Yeah, that's what that's what, that's what I'm trying to figure out now. But I, I, I highly doubt we go defense first. But um, I would definitely love another defensive guy, defensive cornerback, or um, another uh, another linebacker to help out um, Ogletree. And uh, or another defensive tackle or a defensive end. I mean, we just got rid of one defensive end. Might as well go get another one. So, I mean, there's a lot of options we could go defensively, if you ask me, but I don't think we're going defensively first. And look, losing JPP in the locker room is obviously a, a blow, but what it does do is yeah. it opens up some cap space and, and you're in a contract year this year, not just you, but Odell Beckham as well. So do you feel any uh-huh. extra pressure knowing that those negotiations are coming? No, nah, I don't feel no pressure. Why would I get pressure about money? <laughs> no, nah, I don't feel any pressure about no money or contract deals. Regardless, we're going to get a deal done um, here or later on, but it's going to be done sooner or later because, I mean, they, I love New York. They love me. I love the organization. The organization loves me. So we see what happens. But um, I'm not really focused on the contract, but um, I'm, 
I'm, a, I'm just here to. I, just, I love the game. I love the sport. I love football, and that's what I'm here to do. I, I think it's really interesting the position you play as well. It's been a funny off season. Spoke with Earl Thomas earlier today, and you know you've got Morgan Burnett just signed with the Steelers. He's moving to to safety, but most of the guys out there, Kenny Vaccaro, Eric Reed, Trey Brost, Boston. While everyone's throwing money around at these wide receivers, these cornerbacks, nobody seems to be spending on the safety position. And I feel like it's a bit undervalued, to be honest, Landon. It is. I would say so, too, because, I mean, we kind of run the back end. We tell everybody what to do. We have to, we have to be the saviors uh, and the um, protectors. And then we last on the defense. And if you see the guys that's making the most plays and making the most action is safety, if you, if you want to be honest. I mean, you got some great great cornerbacks out there, but the guys that's coming down here making big tackles and running backs, you don't got cornerbacks doing that, making tackles for loss and stuff like that, or forcing fumbles and stuff like that. The only guy, I think, only last corner I remember forcing fumbles is Marcus Peterson. He does a wonderful job at that, but other than that, I don't see any more. I mean, Jack Rabbit did, Jack Rabbit did so too this, this year before he got hurt, but there's not too many corners doing what our safeties can't do, and we kind of being under underappreciated. I um I, I very nearly pointed out Janoris Jenkins to you, but you got in there before me. No, no, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get in any trouble. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I wonder. Uh, nah, my boy Jack, know what I mean, right? <laughs> I, I wonder as well. You're out there with Earl Thomas. I know you guys have been out doing kind of some community stuff and some some different events ahead of the uh, the live event coming up. But have you had any chance to kind of sit down and and talk with a guy who's been in the league for eight years, who people talk about as a Hall of Famer and, and kind of pick his football brain yet? Oh, you talking about me and Earl? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me, me and Earl have been going back since my uh, rookie year, actually. So I've been on Earl like three years. Me and Earl had the same agent, agent so we always around each other. Um, so we, picking his mind is is like second to nothing. I'm always asking him questions. We was actually talking all day this morning about stuff and uh, – um, that's really about it. I mean, we're always talking about how we can get better, what we should do here, mindset-wise, what we read and how we read this, how this quarterback is. I mean, we always trying to pick each other's brain because we always playing different quarterbacks. So if I'm playing a quarterback that he played before, he played twice a year, I'm going to ask him definitely and it's vice versa. So this same agent has you, Earl, has Devin, De- uh, Derwin James coming up in this draft. They know how to find the, uh, find the good safeties. Uh, he got Darren James. He got me. He got Earl. He got um, um, T.J. Ward. Now he has um, Bright. Uh, can't remember T.J. Um, T.J. Kevin Bright um, from Tennessee Titans. They had all the interceptions this year. I mean, yeah, he got a, a nice group of safeties <laughs> and corners too. I mean, got with um, Jalen Murphy on that too. And, um, got a guy. Uh, that's about. That's about all the time right now that I can think of. So, but, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see you, I'd, I'd love to see you guys get in a room together and talk about football because that's an amazing group of players. Um, what uh, would yeah, you, yeah. If, if you were asked to give some advice to Derwin James coming out this year going into his rookie season, I mean, we don't know where he's going to land yet, but, you know, what would you tell him coming out as a rookie? Um, it's going to hit him fast, but try to learn as fast as he can. Um, because this game is more about intellectually because everybody has the talent, everybody has the skills, everybody has the hard work and dedication to play this game. But the smarter person always wins in this game, I would say so. Awesome stuff. And, and finally, Landon, I just want to ask you about that play at Twickenham because I, I kind of referenced it at the top, but 
I think it's going yeah. to be one of those plays which for UK fans, for international series fans, will go down uh-huh. in history as one of the great plays we've seen. And just talk to me about when you, when you pick that pass off Jared Goff, there are still 11 players between you and the goal line and a good 40 yards. And I reckon you must have ran about 100 to get there. Yeah, I ran over about 100 from sideline to sideline. Yeah, about 100. But how do, did you, was there a point where you saw the field was open enough and you thought, I'm going for this? Um, when I looked back, when I went to my sideline and I looked back to my left and saw my guys and saw nothing but field, that's when I knew if I can make it back over there, I will score. Well, it was one of the most impressive returns I've seen. Even if at the home of rugby, it was some of the worst tackling from that offense I've ever seen. But you Say did, one more time. I said, even if at the home of rugby, it was some of the worst tackling I've seen from the offensive players involved. But, <laughs> but the offensive players really don't know how to tackle. I mean, they try to do some skills and stuff like that. But I mean, it's just natural for decent players to know how to. So, but you got some guys that know how to play both ways. So. Other than stuff like that, it's hard. Well, look, we're glad to have you back over. We're glad we could help get you in the public eye back then. And uh, good luck for this coming season. And, and hopefully the Giants restock in this draft and, and you competitive again in that NFC East. Appreciate it. Earl Thomas and Landon Collins uh, joining us on the Gridiron Show. Uh, gents, safety position clearly undervalued, uh, as you've just been told by two people who play the safety position. I mean, they are obviously the most reliable when it comes to the nuances of playing the position, but I'm sure they're also going to be the people who will always say that they are undervalued. They are undervalued, and as you'll see this year, with potentially four safeties going in the first round, um, you know, uh, and the kind of the revolution and evolution of the safety position in terms of, you know, bringing a safety into the box as a as a big nickel, as a guy that can, you know, you're going to get a kid in Derwin James, a Florida State kid, who will be a tight end eliminator. He'll be one of the most athletic players you'll ever see coming into the NFL. Um, you know, he is a he is a potential high, long, all pro player um but you, you know you take a minka fitzpatrick you look at ronnie harrison of alabama jesse bates of, of wake forest um you're going to get some really good safeties coming to this league as that position continues to evolve so i i, 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 I don't so, i don't get why it would be undervalued as well no, like you know it i mean i i always look at things obviously through a patriots lens but their big thing i mean we didn't say this in the super bowl but their big thing is don't ever give up big players and like the way you the way you do that is by having good safeties on the field. That is almost the name, isn't it? You, you're the safety blanket. You're there in case things go wrong, and it's it's a hugely important position. That like it's all about instincts. It's all about sometimes it's your best football player at safety because they can really read the game. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. And also, some of the best players in the NFL are safeties. Yeah, we just heard from two of them, but you know, Devin McCourty. Rashad Jones. The league is full of great safeties. Sorry, I keep getting emails. The uh, the league is full of great Eric safeties. Berry. There's loads Eric of them. Ber- exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, Eric Reed is a really good safety. You know, he's played box linebacker. He's a good safety. You know, it's uh, it's fascinating to me. Um, gents, it's been an absolute pleasure to to particularly get you back on, Simon. And we're going to hear lots from you over the next couple of weeks because it's nearly the draft. Yay! Only another another nine weeks to wait. (laughs) Uh, So uh, thank you so much to you guys for joining us. Matt Sherry, Simon Clancy. Do go get the draft edition of uh, Gridiron and go and subscribe at gridiron-magazine.com. Find out more about the trip as the schedule will be announced in coming weeks as well at touchdowntrips.com. And we'll have 
have draft editions of this podcast coming up with, of course, the return of Ollie Hunter. Too busy sleeping to be talking with us right now, of course. So uh, thank you for listening. As always, at Gridiron on Twitter, this is The Gridiron Show.